0: national
1: fire radio presents i wish my head could forget what my eyes have seen 10 years ago the groundbreaking firefighting movie burned took audiences closer than they'd ever been into the fires and into the lives of the men who fight them 10 years in the making the long-awaited
0: follow-up is finally here
1: the workload has increased and manpower
0: has decreased. Burn X explores stories and characters you've never seen before and continues the journey for many of the Detroit firefighters you met in the first film. Fire Class
1: 2019.
0: Yes, sir. Order your two-disc Ultimate Edition of Burn X on DVD and Blu-ray at burnstore.com or get it for streaming and download on iTunes, Apple TV, Amazon, Google Play, and Voodoo. What is a man's world that doesn't make the world a
1: better place?
0: Into the daily episode, real quick, I want to talk about the Ten of the Month Club from Taylor's Tins. National Fire Radio is the Ten of the Month for December 2022. Right now, our Tiller Time logo is going out the door from Taylor for the Ten of the Month Club. Thirty dollars for the tin. Five dollars of every tin goes to an organization of our choice. We chose the Joey D Foundation, the Lieutenant Joseph P. DeBernardo Memorial Fund. They are doing incredible things their mission is to give back to our own through firefighter escape systems firefighter safety and survival training and lectures it's an incredible organization so i need your help after the podcast go to taylors Tins.com, order the tin of the month 30 dollars. you can put it in a stocking wrap it up as a gift or just put it up on your shelf knowing that you supported us They're an incredible cause so i appreciate you I appreciate you for going after this podcast and ordering a tin of the month. It means the world to me. Shoot me a DM or an email, nationalfireradio uh, at gmail.com, or send me a DM on social media. Let me know you ordered one. We'll get some swag out in the mail to you, a couple stickers, whatever. We'll get something out the door on top of the tin. So please, let me know you order one. Go to taylorstins.com, order the tin of the month club. It's tiller time, baby. It's a beautiful shield going to a good cause. Thank you. Without further ado... The Daily Episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the National Fire Radio Podcast. Today's guest, Sean Duffy, build your culture. You know, every conference I go to and all the places we go and talk to guys in the firehouses, all the traveling we do, the conversation outside of the hands-on sets and reps training comes to culture. And a lot of the conversations that come our way because National Fire Radio is built on the platform of tradition and culture, so we field a ton of that type of of content. People are asking, how do I better my fire department? How do we better this? How do we do this? I got a boss that's like this. These are all things that I deal with every day on the direct messages and emails and so on. And then to find Sean Duffy, a guy that builds a platform called Build Your Culture, and We were chatting offline before, and I said, "Let's just hit record and go." So, Sean, thank you, brother, for uh, joining me today, man.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's an honor and privilege to be here. I, uh, I don't appreciate know about you that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> no, you—you you got it. Uh, this is one of my favorite topics to talk about, you know. So, um, that's cool. Yeah, you know, I appreciate anybody who who wants to have a conversation about it because it, you know, you go for days. This is just something that uh, if you're not passionate about this topic, man, I, I think you're missing the boat.
0: How? Yeah, you know what? There, there's something to be said, though. I, I can't. Uh, that's a great segue. Not everybody, and I had to learn this over my career, that not everybody has the same love that I have for the job, right? And and you, and early on in in my career, I imposed that on others, and I would get upset and pissed off at people because they didn't do the same put in. That I did and I felt that I was doing more than them and I wanted them to come up to my level and then I had to have a very real conversation with myself one day about like I can't hold people to the same expectations I have for myself because I always hold myself to a very high standard and expectation and you you just you're gonna fall short if you hold people to the same expectation you have for yourself you're gonna get disappointed quite often would you agree with that.
1: Oh, a hundred percent. And, you know, much like you, like I made a lot of those same mistakes too, because I love the job and I'm super passionate about it. And, you know, sometimes our passion can become blinding, right? It doesn't necessarily always lead us to make the best decisions. <laughs> so, um, I, I found myself the same way. I'm like, why do you not view the job the same way I do? Like, we're all firefighters. Like, I, I thought that we all wanted to do this job for the same reasons. And over time, I found that that's just not true. Now, that doesn't mean that those are bad people, right, or that we should write them off. It just means our approach needs to be different. Yes. Um, you know, you sit at the you sit at the, the table, and everyone's got their passion. Some, some of it's hunting. Some of it's fishing, you know, hobbies that maybe, like, working on cars, whatever that is, you know, so put yourself in their position. If you can't relate to what their topic is, what do we find ourselves doing? Generally, like we listen for a little bit, but we don't have anything to add. So we just get up from the table and walk away, which is sad because, you know, we're all missing information that's being shared. So um, when it comes to like that passion, especially culture and things like that, I think it's really important that we put our own personal feelings aside and we focus on how we can make this relatable to others and create buy-in for them uh, so that we can get the ball moving forward as a team.
0: I I agree, and there's so much there that I, I love what you just said. And I relate everything in life to the firehouse like I, I think about everything in life and how it relates to the fireground or to the firehouse or how we manage people and finding that way to connect and relate like you know I'm not a huge football guy I just never was I'm a big guy I should have played I probably would probably would have played college ball you know I mean I was a pretty good athlete growing up but it wasn't it wasn't my game right I just never got into football I was a lacrosse guy right but the thing is is that I got guys that are so bought in on football that you can relate, you know, the, the field and how they choreograph plays to what we do on the fire ground. So I'm always, the way my brain works is always trying to find that relatable way. And what we all have in the firehouse is the commonality that we're firemen, right? So that is the utmost commonality, whether it's hunting, race cars, you know, whatever it is right? The commonality is, is firefighting. So how do we take everything in our personal lives and the, and the things that we all enjoy outside of the firehouse and how do we bring that to the firehouse and find common ground? It's through firefighting, right?
1: Oh yeah. That, yeah. And it's, Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, it, it's funny to bring that up because one of my best friends, um, I actually met him through playing hockey and, uh, at that time, he was a master mechanic, and he worked for Lexus, and he he was doing very well for himself. And you know, he he knew me to be a firefighter, and he always just thought it was fascinating because he heard you know the stories I would tell and things sure. like that. He actually left that industry to become a fireman, and I was fortunate enough to work with him on his uh, probationary year and everything else, and watch him grow through the fire service the past couple of years. And you know, it's it's funny because when he tries to make a a point, um. He often goes back to working on cars like, okay, so from a mechanic standpoint, like I have this problem and this is the process that I have to go through to either verify it or figure out the next step that I need to do to fix it. And having that analogy and being able to understand things like that, even though we're all firemen, we all come from different walks of life. So um, I think everybody has value. You just got to figure out what it is and, and how to package it in that way that they can understand and relate what you're saying to the mission or the task at hand. Um, and then once you do that, I, I think you just open up all these doors and it's it's no longer about ego or I know more than you or any of that. It's, it's a true conversation of understanding. And I think that's a beautiful part of it. How
0: crazy is that, though? Your passion influenced somebody to leave their career and become a
1: fireman. Yeah, you know, (laughs) that's so
0: powerful, right? Because I don't mean to cut you off, but just to follow up on that, that speaks volumes to how invested you are, right? To be able to have a buddy that is going somewhere else and he's in a different lane and you keep talking about how great your life is, your job, how much you enjoy it, the stories, the rewards, the downside, but the rewards, the highs, the lows, all of it. And this guy's like, you know what? I like that. Sounds good. He sees the passion through you and it makes him go get on the job.
1: Yeah. No, <laughs> That's it, crazy. It was, it was awesome, man. And yeah. like he came to the department, and, and you know, like I said, I was just luck of the draw, I guess. He got assigned to our crew, Greg, like, right out of uh orientation, which was about seven weeks long, you know. And he's brand new firefighter, just fresh out of the academy, just out of ENT school. And uh, he had some experience from a previous department uh, before he came to work with us, and uh, you know it was just it was just awesome to be able to not only one be with a good friend of mine, but two like I learned a ton, I learned a ton from him and his experiences because uh, you know I I was paramedic at that time, and uh, we're going through things, and he'd be like telling me something, he's like okay, and I I wouldn't really know how to relate relate it to him. And explain it and, and he would understand what I was saying and break it down and be like, okay, think about this. And because he brought me into his world, it gave me a way broader view on things which on calls when we were on calls together, yeah. or we were on fire grounds together, whatever it just, it instilled a level of trust. Like, I knew, even though he was my friend, you know, I knew exactly where he was coming from and he knew where I was coming from because we had those conversations.
0: Yeah. Commonality, right? I mean, finding that, finding that branch, right? I mean, it's just, yeah, it's super powerful. Let's talk a little bit about yourself, build your culture, right? You, you know, we were talking offline before we started, I was just getting a little background. And so build your culture really came out of what your passion is really all about. No, get into, get into it. Tell me what build your culture is really all about and how you came up with that title of your group.
1: Oh man! So <laughs> it was actually kind of by accident, and, and much like anything in the fire is. service, <laughs> yeah, it's it's born out of frustration, right? Um, so another great friend of mine, uh, I met him on the job. Uh, his name is Pablo Jenner. Um, we we were just sitting there at Orlando Fire Conference one year, and uh, I want to say this was 2019, and we, we're just talking about frustrations and you know like how things are going and you know, why we're fired up, you know, what makes us love the job and how we just didn't understand how other people that we were working with didn't see things the same way. Yeah. And in that conversation, you know, throwing a couple beers back and everything, we just kind of both looked at each other and we said it, we're like, it's it's really about culture, right? Everything we do boils down to culture in some way, shape or form. And Pablo looks at me, he goes, yeah, you got to build it. And I was like, that's it. That's build your culture. And from that day, like everything we did together, um, you know, like whether it be teaching or putting something out on, online, um, we had, uh, at, at that time, Pablo had his, his, uh, Instagram page, uh, central Florida fire tactics. Yes. And he, uh, he wound up changing that to build your culture because we started realizing like everything we were about and everything that we talked to firefighters about, whether it be guys in the firehouse or new hires or, or whoever, um, it all boiled down to what are you doing to change or enhance what you're experiencing on the job? So that be kind of, kind of became the the all encompassing title behind everything. And, um, you know, I never wanted it to be about me and neither did Pablo. And, you know, we had since brought other guys on the uh, cadre with us to, to help teach and, and stuff. And we just wanted it to be about the message. And I think that's the message we need to send to firefighters is Um, it's okay to love the job and it's okay to see a need for something and pursue it. And if you don't like something, it's okay to try and change that to the best of your ability, you know, and you don't have to be disrespectful or anything like that, but um, do something, you You know, know, because you're guilty if you don't.
0: Yeah. I, it, it is, um, it's really incredible to watch. I've seen it happen so often that you find like the commonality of you guys sitting there in Orlando going like, I just can't believe these guys aren't bought in like we are, you know, and so on. And, and you struggle with that. And then you start talking to people like I travel and I I talk to guys all over the country. It doesn't matter. Small departments, big departments. We all have a lot of the same commonality in our complaints and things that we want to fix or do better in the firehouse. And, and so, you know, it's, I've had so many conversations where people, they start hearing me talk, and they come over, and they start listening. Before you know it, you can see them. It's just pouring off of them how they're, in, they're refreshed that somebody else is having the same experience that they've had. You know, and that's why it's important that we talk about it. That's the whole point of like this podcast is to find commonality and to share stories and experiences and things that are happening in the fire service because people are going to find it relatable. Maybe people don't relate to this conversation, but they'll relate to another one. That's why it's super important. And I think, you know, you said as much as it's not about you and Pablo and, and a couple of the other guys that are involved, it is important, though, for you guys to take ownership of it because people look up to you and they see that you're having the same struggles. It doesn't matter, and that's the incredible part about all of this: is that even the one percenters, the guys that are out there promoting this job and hustling, have the, some of the same gripes and issues that we all have on a on a you know on a on a different scale. And so oh, it's yeah. the commonality, and and that's what it's about, right? talk about the job, make the job better, right? And find out that there's people out there that are just looking for that common conversation. How do I make things better? What what about culture? How do I fix my culture, right? And so that's what you guys are very much doing through hands-on, through lectures, right? Through social media.
1: Yeah, we try. And and the thing is like what I what I found over the years is like sometimes people just don't know who to talk to. Yes. Like they're in their organization and they don't know who they can trust with what they're trying to say, or maybe they've had a bad experience where things they've said has kind of gotten blown out of context and it it created problems for them. So um, when we have these conversations, especially when we do like this uh, culture class, um, the, the class is called build your culture, professionalism or minimalism, right? And it's built that way for a reason because you have two different types of people In the fire service you have the the professionals the people that are dedicated to it and then you have the minimalists the people who just do the bare minimum to get by because they're just putting in their time uh to get their pension or they're just there for benefits or whatever their reasons are they will do only what's required of them because it's a requirement right (laughs) if that wasn't a requirement they probably wouldn't do it but the professionals the people who love this job and and take this shit seriously they're they go above and beyond and and you know, adequate is not cutting it for them. Like they're they're fighting against complacency and mediocrity and they're sure. doing this because they refuse to settle. So what we found and what I tell people is if you want to be successful, you know, in your approach to things, like it's all about your mindset. And you've got to make sure that your daily routine is on key. Like you cannot waver from that. It's important for you, and it's an important that you do that to show other people that this is who you are. This is what you believe in. And, you know, the culture that you're fighting for, you better believe in that. So there's only a couple things we can control, and that's our attitude and our effort, period. You know, people are going to fight against it. That's natural. It is what it is. But how do you react to that? Do you get, you know, do you get on the defense with them and and find yourself in an argument? Because if that's the case, then you're looking like a fool. Right? And I yeah, yeah, trust yeah, me, yeah. I, I learned that lesson the hard way. So your attitude and your approach is key, and, and then your effort. Like, hey, you know, it, simple thing, right? You want pride in your rig? You go out there, okay? Well, you're in control of the effort that it takes to wash that thing, or pull the tools off and clean them, and repaint them, or do whatever it is that you like to do to to display that pride. You don't need anyone's permission for that. So it's a, it's the small things that people see. That they're like, oh, man, this, this guy you know, really loves the job. And, and to me, the, being that example is half the battle.
0: Yeah, well, accountability, and it takes work.
1: How do, Absolutely.
0: How, well, right, and, and so I agree with all of this, right? And then I break it down even further, and I go, yeah, but now it's on the individual. And it's, and it's before we even get to the culture, it takes the, a strong individual to be a member of a strong culture. Right. And so it's important that we focus on the individual, too. And that means everything from outside the firehouse to the way they are inside the firehouse. And it's dialing. It's dialing in and and supporting our people to know where they are. And I think what happens is, is as you're as you're stay, you know, rewind. You mentioned mindset. And I think that's huge. I don't think we talk about mindset enough and we can you can there's so many different avenues of mindset that we can go down. But the the point of mindset being in a good place when you come to the firehouse whether career volunteer and you show up at that firehouse, you need to be in a clear mindset and focused on what the task is at hand. And that, I think, is bred through a culture where your culture wants you to be dialed in, they promote you to be dialed in, and so when you cross the threshold into your firehouse, you need to have that focus.
1: Oh, yeah, you can't lose sight of that focus. And, and you know, believe it or not, like – people are going to fight against you for, for other reasons. Right. So you can either fight for a positive culture or fight for a negative culture. And that's where your mindset comes in. Like yeah. be, be, when you put people in a position where like you're talking about things or you're doing things where it makes them look like uh less than ideal. Right. Or they might be uncomfortable with it because it's new to them or they just, you know, now you're exposing some, some type of thing that they don't want to expose. They're going to fight hard. To keep that you know so we got to understand that as much as we fight for like a positive culture there are people that are going to fight for that negative culture that is a really
0: good way to thank you talk about that some more because that is that is really well put sean i like that a lot we talk about fighting for good culture yet we have people fighting against us it's not even that they're just complacent they actually actively fight to keep a negative culture because it makes them feel in control or in charge
1: yeah. And, you know, I, sh- I think that's what are we what are we really good at in the fire service? Like, think about it. And, and I'd like to say that this exists in every uh, firehouse or every fire department in America. Hopefully I'm wrong, but uh, I, I've seen it time and time again. And I've heard it time and time again, where what do we generally do with our problem children? Somebody gets tired of dealing with them and ships them off to like, an outlining station somewhere. So they, they just don't have to deal with it. Right. Let's just put them over there and we'll forget about it. That is probably the worst thing you can do because let's say I'm, I I get detailed to that firehouse for the day. The vibe there is just so negative because you've allowed those people to be put into an environment where that kind of mindset and behavior can thrive thinking that you've removed the problem from everybody else, but really you're just allowing it to fester. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, you know what do you have? Like you have these little micro cultures, right? So let's say like at the at the firehouse over on you know, uh, and I'm just using these yeah, as an yeah, example. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, on the west side of the the county or the city or wherever that you happen to work is is very training oriented and and they love the job and everything else. And then over on the east side or north south wherever they happen to be. Um, they're not, they're very negative. Well, then I get assigned to the negative house and I spend, you know, a few months there. What do you think I'm most likely going to adapt to as far as behavior?
0: Couldn't agree with you more. You're going to become as negative as they are.
1: I'm going to become as negative as they are. So when I get assigned to the other side of the city or county or jurisdiction, whatever it may be, and those guys are all positive, upbeat, love the job, I'm uncomfortable. I'm uncomfortable because I don't know what to do with that. And then I'm I'm put in the middle, right? Like which side of this coin do I want to be on? Do I want to come over to this side where these guys are passionate and they're going to teach me the job and, and learn about it and always try to improve what we're doing and put myself out there with a target on my back? Because that's a long road, yeah. especially if you're young in the career. Or do I want to go over here where I'm a little bit more comfortable and safe because nobody's challenging me, right? as a young firefighter or even somebody who's further along in their career, who has never been like put in those positions where it's never been taken care of, man, just, just think about that. We can a hundred percent write the next few years into our history. If we don't take the time to to try and address these issues and just let them keep going on because people, I don't think it's that people want to do the wrong thing it's that they don't know what the right thing is to do yeah. because we've never, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, definitely with mindset, like if you take a stand, you love this job and and everything else like that. You got to understand, like when you do walk into those firehouses or you're working with that crew that is super, super negative, it's best not to even engage, man. Like don't engage in that negativity. Yeah. Yeah. You can't. The best thing you could do is just go and find something productive to do that proves to everybody else, like who you are and what you're about.
0: Yeah, it's hard. I mean, because it's easy to get sucked in the negativity, but I look at it this way too, right? So I, what an incredible point of view that you have on this, and I, I appreciate that. And I, I want to take it one step further. The other issue too, right, is instead of addressing the issue with the individual, we rewrite it for the whole, right? So instead of addressing the negativity and, and dealing with it in your firehouse, you ship them off to an out out company, probably a place that's less busy, right because you know typically busy shops promote betterment in the job so they're probably going to a less busy place where their skill set's going to get duller and duller and rounder right because they're not going to be sharp on their skills because an environment like that doesn't promote it and then next thing you know a guy gets injured or killed on the job and it's because you put him out to an outlying company instead of dealing with it if you ever if you ever um uh, uh, Clyde uh, Clyde Gordon from Houston, Texas, talks about this yeah. in one of his classes, where that was a lesson he learned, and it ended up being a line of duty death for a guy that was shipped out to a different house because they didn't invest the time to to change him, to, to better him, to teach him, and so it becomes a much bigger issue where you think you're not, you think you're handling it for the whole by by making the problem disappear instead of hitting it head on you're actually, in fact, potentially making it a lot worse. And we, oh, yeah. we need to hit things head on, and we can't let things fester. Fester is a great word because when you get a bunch of like-minded people that are negative, holy shit, man, hang on, because it just runs through your organization so fast. And if you let that fester and you don't nip that in the beginning or tear down those individuals real quick and separate them, Forget it, man. You're gonna have you're gonna have a long road ahead to rebuild the damage that could be done because the damage could be done super quick. The rebuilding does not happen overnight.
1: No, and that goes back to like what you were talking about about accountability and things like that. Like this is hard work. Like yes. let's, let's not get get past that. Like this is going to be <laughs> a a long time of hard work and dedication to whatever it is you believe if you want to see the outcome of that. Right. So. Um, the thing that people have to understand is like we can't stop the waves right those those are gonna come, but we can learn how to surf right, so we can learn how to navigate those waves when they're coming through and and see like okay, in this particular situation how how does what's happening apply to what I believe like where can I still thrive in this and and a lot of people become overwhelmed because they see the big picture instead of narrowing down on like, okay, what are the small things that I can put a lot of focus, time, effort, and energy into to try and 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 make better right and you start there and then you start branching off from that like you try and take on too much man you will become overwhelmed right so the back to like the whole mindset like if you think if you think you can you probably will and if you think you can't you probably won't right so the minute you get it into my head, like, I can do this, I can get through this, I, I can overcome this, like, whatever, this is just another bump in the road, like, you've already prepared yourself mentally for the fight, like, okay, I'm going to get onto this, and and I, I'm going to make a plan of all the things that I have to do, and all this, but um, immediately, when you're confronted with some stuff, and you let it overwhelm you, and you're like, nope, I can't, I can't do this, you're not going to probably do anything about what's happening, and you're going to find yourself falling back yes. into that complacency mediocrity thing, because that's where it's comfortable. And that, that's where confrontation can be helpful, right? Like a lot of people shy away from confrontation because they see it as a negative. It doesn't have to be a negative. And when we're talking about culture, whether it be building one because we don't have one or enhancing one, because there's some things in there that would, that we really need to like, kind of like make better. Um, the worst thing you do is like, I can't deal with this right now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But that's all we do these days. That's, that's all we it. do. I mean, you know, it's, Oh my God, I can't deal with this now. Oh my God, conflict. Oh, I can't argue with this guy. I can't tell my point of view, like all that shit. And, and it all adds up. Right. And so I, I think that, you know, ultimately um, we got to look at the whole and believe that every part of the whole matters and the whole meaning, you know, the W H O L E, the group, the whole, we need to be sure that every, person within the whole within the organization the fire department the fire company is it is on board and culture matters it matters it matters it matters so build your culture it's a lot of work it takes patience and it requires the high road consistently to deliver right
1: oh yeah and so we always talk about like the one percenters and, yeah. and the fire service right um so you know everybody's got their own idea of what what that means, but what what I've come through is like it's about advantage right so if we look at it as like the one percent advantage, then what we can realize is I don't need to be twice as good to get twice the results i don't it it's about building, so like I have an entire year which is three hundred and sixty five opportunities that's three hundred and sixty five percent chance that I could be better if I just apply myself if I just put one percent of myself into something every single day right so um there was that that uh, thing that came out a while ago about you know mastering uh your craft right sure and what it takes to master your craft if you break that down really like eight hours a day you know and five days a week gives you 44 out of 52 weeks a year so that's gonna give you about five and a half years of steady dedication, you know, driving forward, not wavering, five and a half years. Most people quit in the first three months if they don't see results that they want. Absolutely. (laughs) So when we look at it, like, if this is what you truly believe and you love the fire service and you want to leave something behind for other people to be better and you want to be better, you need to demand that. And part of demanding that is looking at yourself and saying, look, if nobody else is on this ship with me, I'll row alone it's fine and i'm just going to stay dedicated to to my mission and hopefully eventually over time people will join the fight and if they don't then it's okay right we we don't necessarily need a, you know the whole department or whatever coming with us we just need to be that example to say like hey you know like this is possible and i can show you i do this all the time right and and you look back at like john Sparrow's one that talks about like fitness just walk past any firehouse gym you see the person in there working out by themselves. They're not just doing that for themselves, right? They could care less if you're in the gym with them or not because they know it's about the team yeah. and that somebody on that team has to take charge and somebody needs to be ready for when things don't go according to plan and they have deemed themselves as that person.
0: Yeah, it, right? speaks, it speaks volumes. Absolutely. It speaks Absolutely. volumes. So,
1: so when we look at it like in that aspect, like any single one of us in the firehouse could do the same thing. In whatever um, you know, topic or whatever that we feel passionate about, that that we want to see changed or built.
0: Yeah, and you know the one thing that doesn't get talked about enough—I talk about it a lot—is just patience. You said five. Oh, yeah. You said five and a half years. Is that what you said? Five and a half years. Yeah. So I'm on almost year five with National Fire Radio. <laughs> We're just scratching the surface, <laughs> man. And yeah. you know, you know how many platforms have come and gone along the way, right? I mean, yeah. it's just ultimately, like, I've watched so many start. People would call me, I want to do this, I want to do that. I'm like, great, man, go do it. The, the biggest hurdle is doing it, right? Getting started. Then the next one is you don't see a return, and then you just still don't see a return, and there's still no return. And then you start to focus on, well, nobody's listening, nobody's following, nobody wants to be a part of it, nobody likes what I'm doing. And before you know it, you get in your own head, and you were doing it for the wrong reasons, and then guess what? You're done. You're not doing it anymore. And ultimately, it's a long game. People don't have the patience they once had. They lack the patience required in anything. There is no way. I heard, uh, it was funny, we posted uh, a clip from FDIC uh, on Friday with Kurt Isaacson. Uh, We did some live feed there, and I reposted it on the podcast the other day. He talked about Bob Morris, I mean, one of the legends of the industry. He's always the last one in off the training ground. And the guy's in his, what, late 60s? And he's the last one off the training ground. He's, he's probably one of the most decorated firemen. And, and, you know, I mean, the, his pedigree is, is longer than most of us put together, right? And yet he's still a student. And he has patience because it's a long game because for him it's a passion, it's a craft, it's a love. And that's what needs to be talked about. You don't need to be the salty guy at three, four, five years. You don't need to, I mean, I don't understand what the want is. Why we're rushing through careers, volunteer or career. Why are we rushing through the process? I just don't understand that. And I think it really just comes down to a lack of patience, understanding that it takes time.
1: Well, it's it's funny that you say like understanding, right? So when we look at, time and everything else like that and understanding like the only people that are never misunderstood are the ones who never stand for anything right those are those are the ones that kind of skate by so when we're locked when we're looking at the passionate ones like like we were talking about we have to see what kind of values they have like those people in my opinion when we interview you should be interviewing for the culture you want Like thinking long down the road, like it all starts in the interview process. And you got to figure out like what kind of person this is now. And I want somebody, if I was on an interview panel and I was one asking questions, I want somebody who's passionate and fired up about the job because those are the ones that are going to create or change a culture. I understand that they're frequently misunderstood because they always attack the status quo, but these are people that don't need to be led, or I'm sorry, that need to be led, but don't need to be managed. And I think where a lot of that frustration comes in is like, one, with the misunderstanding of, of, of who they are and what they're about, but two, the micromanaging, like pulling too hard on that leash, like, hey, man. You know, you got to let your workhorses be workhorses. You know, if you, if you pull back too, too much on your racehorse, eventually it's going to forget how to run. So like, just let, let it be, you know, and you keep a close eye on it, but let them be involved. Like, let them feel part of the team. Like that, like what, how they feel and the things they want to do matter, you know, and when we can get people from the interview process that have like all those perspectives and things. Man, it, it's it's crazy because it's much like attitude, right? It, it, we always say attitude's contagious. Well, so is passion. Passion's well, believable, you I know. Agree. Like, get those people into your firehouses and realize, like, hey, they might be new, and that's fine. But the best thing we can have is is people who love this job and and not let them get jaded and, and beat down, because that's why we have the problems we have with other people, and we ship them off to other firehouses so we don't have to deal with it.
0: Yeah, let me let me ask you this then: the kindler gentler fire department. I mean, I'm still kind of an old school guy where it's you know there still needs to be some hard nosed and and finger points and uh, you know this is this is how we do it here. This is why we do it here. You know, and and that's end of the story type stuff. I still believe that that needs to happen, and I, I I'm a I'm an older school type guy when it comes to that, but I have a, a newer school approach in understanding. But we have to kind of teach some of those older school, uh, I don't know, tougher stance conversations too, where sometimes we can't question everything. And sometimes that, you know, the way the institution is, is for a reason. And we'll, we'll tell you why, but give it time and learn and have the patience for that. I'm this, sometimes I get dismayed with this kindler, gentler approach. And, you know, um, not saying that you were hitting on that, but it, when we always try to include everyone, we try to try to appease everyone. Sometimes it gets a little too muddy. What are what are your thoughts?
1: No, I I couldn't agree more now. So when I first started in the fire service uh, back in uh, November of 2014, or I'm sorry, 2004, um, it was, (laughs) it was a long, long year for me because one, I didn't know anything about the fire service. Right, I just, I, I just knew that it's something that I wanted to do. I felt attracted to it. Like all my dad's friends were firemen, and I walked in there, and it was a culture shock. Like I had a captain that did not care about your feelings. Got it. He didn't, he didn't care if you cried. Mm-hmm. And at first, I'm like, man, this guy's an asshole. Like I can't do anything right. And he, he told me straight up one day. He's like, whether you do it right or you do it wrong, you're the new guy. Everything's your fault. You're, you know, period. And I was like, okay, fine. And I learned a lot of tough lessons and I look back at it now and I'm like, you know what, if that guy wasn't so tough on me, I would have made a lot more mistakes and they would have been allowed to just, you know, go on unchecked. And, and that would have been really detrimental for my career. And then I look at what we do today as, you know, being hard, like think about parents. Like I know before we talked, you said, you have children, I have children, anyone has children. Like if your kids aren't doing what you want them to do, and you don't discipline them in, in a way that they understand that right and you're not hard on them in some aspects because they you know either they're just not getting it or you need to teach them that hard lesson so that they they will never forget that right uh, you're you're failing them and i think we're kind of doing that in the fire service now because oh like everyone's afraid oh, this this will go to hr or i can get fired for this or i could do that and it's like no we're adults yeah this is a profession where our decisions like our civilians including ourselves like people live and die based off the decisions we make and we have split seconds to make them so like be you we need to be hard on each other and i'm not saying you have to be an asshole like don't get me wrong Oh no there's a difference i agree i agree yeah there you we've become so afraid of getting in trouble for things and losing our jobs and all that stuff that it's almost like you can't you can't say or do anything you know like you're afraid to and and all that does is let people get away with a ton of things, right? I can't I can't punish somebody for not doing their daily chores or, or whatever anymore, right? Because they might run over to HR and complain and now everybody's in trouble because we were mean to them or whatnot. And we take away traditions in the firehouse, you know, like, you know, getting people wet or doing whatever things. You take away all those things that, that build crew bonding. And then we yeah. just have this recipe where, like, nobody really says or does anything because they don't know what, what to say or do anymore. And, uh, we've lost focus on the fact that the duty we have is to each other, not ourselves. So we have to be right and make sure that everybody's prepared and equipped to do the proper things.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, and that's, this is that struggle, right? And I don't, I don't have an answer for what I asked you. I was just curious what your take was on it because, you know, it, it is becoming more and more of a struggle. And, I struggle when we do blanket rule changes because of one incident. Instead of addressing the individual, we address the whole department. And I think that that parallels something very interesting that I heard the other day where it says we should train to the level of our best members, not our weakest members. Right? Too often on the training ground, we're paying too much attention to the weak ones and trying to bring them up to the level that our best people are at. But what do we do to our best people when we're doing that? We put them on the sideline. And, you know, and that's unfortunate because the the best people we have are the ones that are making a difference on the fire ground. And those are the ones we should be promoting. And the weaker members need to come up to their level, but they need to do that in a way that it doesn't inhibit the best members. And it's a struggle. And I, I don't know what the answer is, to be perfectly honest, Sean. I, I just I was curious what your what your take was on that, and I appreciate you sharing that. Let's do this. Let's we chatted about culture for quite a while, and I, I know build your culture, that's your thing, and I totally get it, and I appreciate it. You've hit a lot of good points. So I want to talk a little bit about you and, and operational stuff too, right? So 18 years in the fire service. You're uh, with Ann Arbor, Michigan now. You alluded to it before that you were uh, down in Florida at, at an early part of your career, um, and that was a career department, but it was more of a suburban uh, rural setting, if you will, or more of a suburban setting. Um, limited staffing, limited equipment, right? And so on. Am I, am I correct with that?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, it was, it was an interesting time. I don't want to get too much off a tangent, but to just kind of paint the picture, um, the county I was working in then uh, went from a all volunteer fire department. um, So they had 11 different firehouses to a uh, becoming like a combination part-time thing and eventually when they decided that they were going to be a full fledged uh career fire department they went from operating three firehouses for a little over 600 square miles to five uh which put two guys on an engine wow um every day no officer just two firefighters on an engine and right. we'd switch off every day one person would drive today the next person would be in charge the next day and i mean where i was stationed we had 50 square miles to ourselves, wow! Right, so so you start thinking about that, like that all impacts how we how we do things. So yeah, it was it was it was a struggle, but you learned a lot too, you know. So it, it definitely was uh, not something that I would I would give up. I think it was very influential in my career and, and important to to shape me as the firefighter I am today.
0: You know, sometimes on those firegrounds where you are running limited staffing, limited equipment, and so on, you got a lot to do with a little, and uh, you grow up fast. In environments like that, you know, whereas, you know, in, in maybe a larger department, you have one or two crafts that you do learn and do very well. When you're wearing that many hats and you got that many jobs to be done on the fire ground, because whether you arrive with 40 on the first alarm or four, it's the same job.
1: Oh, yeah, the, the, the operational um, things don't change. So think about, I mean, there's there's people that still ride two two person fire percent! Uh, it's everywhere like
0: that. absolutely that's uh, the that's the norm i i think in most of america right is yeah. uh, under a four-man company for sure
1: under a four-man and like now like we ride three every day now in, in ann arbor and, and sometimes if we're we're overstaffed for the day we'll have four on every rig which is awesome um but you know going back to having two that's a lot for there's a lot going on to put on two people you know somebody usually running the scene making the decisions that they feel are best at the moment somebody's stretching line and i i, I look at it and, and hats off to it you know because to me those those are, are some of the best firefighters in the country you know they're they're doing so much with so little and uh they're getting chances, sets and reps in all kinds of positions yeah. that maybe we normally wouldn't get if we were only assigned one position that's right. every time we showed up, you know?
0: No, 100%. And that's where I was headed with this is that, you know, through Build Your Culture, you guys also do hands-on. You talk about search Uh, search culture, right? I mean, uh, searchable versus survivable, education, decision-making. These are all things that under the Build Your Culture brand you guys are doing out in the street. And you and you have a a group of guys that travel, right? And you guys are doing training and and teaching um, across the country at conferences and so on. And I think what's important about that is focusing on uh, tactics and considerations, not just for the urban setting, which we see a lot of, but also the suburban setting as well.
1: Oh, yeah, you, you have to. You know, most of our fire departments uh, are in the suburban setting. Uh, when you start looking at statistics and breaking it down, I think it's like 80% or something like that. Um, don't quote me exactly on oh, that you. Yeah. It's, it's large. Um, if, hey,
0: listen, if the audience held me to everything that I said, we'd be out of business. You know what I mean?
1: <laughs> <Sound> <laughs> yeah. <how worse. laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's not scripted, right? So it's yeah, not like you're looking right. at notes and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're um, totally
0: good, man. You can throw any number you want out. Nobody's fact-checking. Go ahead.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, and I hope they do. Like, please do so, so we you know go. what that exact number is. But um, uh, anyway, um, yeah, with a large percentage of our American Fire Service being in that suburban setting, you know, when you go to conferences um, and you take a class as a student, you learn some awesome things from people who who do things a lot more than you do, but maybe their staffing's different. So we got to figure out how does this apply to where I work or does it even apply to where I work? Um, so from the instructor standpoint, one of the things that I like to do so that we could set people up from success is, you know, when I have my, my group of instructors come into some place, I want to know where people are from. Hey, what do you, what do you guys ride? What's your response district? You know, like how far out are you, you know, between getting help or, you know, generally t- to you arriving on scene of something because that is going to shape how we do our drills because the worst thing I can do is tell them what I do based off of my staffing and things like that, and then send them off and expect them to be successful. I've got to make sure that I understand that. And I think that's where some of the disconnect is, is, and there's nothing wrong with this. Don't get me wrong, but everybody wants to go take classes from, from, instructors from big cities and things like that yeah, which is great mm-hmm. it's great they super smart knowledgeable people but not a whole lot of people will take classes from people they don't know from yeah. departments they don't know and to me that's some that's that's where some of your best nuggets are going to come from if you're in the suburban setting because those people are also doing it every single day in in the situations they face so it's got to be a well-balanced approach
0: yeah and and I you know we were chatting about this before you know you and I before we hit record and you know I I struggle with this because I mean the the guys that are out there teaching they the majority of them are incredible and impactful guys that are and women that are, are changing the the scape the landscape of the fire service but there are some out there that eh, you know whatever take it or leave it but the the issue comes down to the majority of our instructors though are, are, are a lot of them are coming from the urban setting and so their response Guidelines, procedures, and so on are very different than suburban and rural tactics, especially when it comes down to staffing pieces of equipment on, you know, initial alarm assignments, things like that, that, ultimately dictate how they respond and, and and how they operate and so what we need to do is endorse more people that are in that are in suburban and rural settings to put themselves out there a little bit and allow themselves to be put on a stage where they can share their tactics and considerations and operational thoughts because frankly we need more of that and there's nothing wrong with the urban setting and that's not that's not what I'm saying but what I'm saying is the landscape needs more we need to, we need more of the representation of the type of firefighters that are in this country. And that is, you know, smaller rural suburban departments that are riding two, three man engines, and they're having to do a lot with a little and the the training needs to represent that. And I worry sometimes when we start talking about enforcing some guys like to really force and endorse their own beliefs on certain issues And when you start looking at, like, water supply and there's certain, you know, uh, a certain way that people like to do things, but it's not representative of where you're at, you know, you could could influence the conversation or how people operate because you're an influential guy on a big stage. And it gets to be a little concerning sometimes because there's probably not the best way to do it. And if you have a hydrant every, you know, 500 feet or 300 feet in your neighborhood – you know, you're not familiar with other aspects of, of the fire service. And so we need more people that are in that suburban and rural setting to put themselves out there and understand that they might not go to, you know, all these runs and all these fires every single day because the community doesn't allow for it, but they certainly bring a lot to the table. And, and I, I just want to really put that out there, that we need good people to continue the mission for these, you know, suburban and rural departments.
1: Oh, 100%, man. I don't don't think you could have said it any better. And, you know, I'm just going to throw a curveball in that conversation because I believe this doesn't get talked about enough. And from experiencing it for a few years of my career, um, I think we set people up for failure. Uh, So a lot of departments now are going to that ALS response where they're requiring their firefighters to be paramedics, uh, which means that you put two firefighters on an ambulance. Okay, that's fine. It is what it is. Um, You know, if that's not you and that's not your reality, awesome. But unfortunately, it is reality for a lot of people. And what I see uh, is that they get beat down. They don't get treated as firefighters. They get treated as, oh, you're here to run medical calls. And when you go to a fire, um, you know, we'll just plug in where whatever. In that particular situation, we are missing the big picture. If we're going to have two people showing up on an ambulance and we're going to expect them to put bunker gear on and go do firefighting activities, we need to understand that those two people should be your best firefighters, because at any moment they're going to be put in into wherever position they need, whether that's ventilation or fire attack or search or whatever needs to be filled. Those people are being put in. Uh, so I think with that, you know, we see it a lot on, on podcasts and, and social media platforms. Like if somebody is, is assigned to an ambulance or whatever, they get so far attacked, like, oh, well, how many rescues have you made from that? Or, you know, how many fires have you been to on an ambulance? And the question really needs to be is what have you learned from that situation? What can you tell us about your experiences in those situations to make us better? And then from an instructor standpoint, if you do have those experiences, you need to share those with other people because I guarantee you're going to have people in your class that that is their reality and they don't know how to relate to it. And they're going to go back to work. And they're going to get made fun of because they went to a fire conference and people are going to say some stupid shit like, oh, you're just on an ambulance. Why are you worried about that firefighting stuff? When in reality, like they should be worried about it and it matters. So uh, I, I know that's a tangent. Going no, off no, on no. One, but uh, no. I, I've I've seen that get bastardized so much in our fire service. And we're not realizing the value of those people and what they actually have to offer to our crew in our fire ground. And it's it's important that we implicate that into training as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, how do how do we not insert it? And I, and I think that that again, right? When I, I don't understand the 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 I'm I'm looking for the the right words here, but when when guys are assigned to different positions, they they don't have control over that. And why why do we demonize or victimize them? Because they got assigned to the ambulance for that tour, and now all of a sudden they don't count. But if they were riding the back step, they would be an integral part of the fireground. Like I don't, I don't understand that. And I, I think that's part of what we do, and we don't do well, is that we we jump on bandwagons of conversation that just when you sit back and think about it, it just doesn't make sense. Like we're all on the same damn team. Like these guys are important to the fireground as much as. As much as they might be arriving in a different piece of equipment, they're still doing the same job we are. Why would we not want the best and and to endorse that? I mean, it just it's, it's a funny conversation to me.
1: It is. It is a funny conversation. That goes back to the culture and the mindset. Like, I joined the fire department, and I think everybody joined the fire department to ride on the big, red, shiny trucks, and that's fine. But if that's not what's required of you at that moment, it's not what's required of you. And, like, don't get me wrong, I'm <laughs> – I struggled with that for many years. Like uh, it beat me down when I was on it, and that's why I say what I say is when I was riding those those rigs almost every single day because I was a low man and I was putting in my time. It's not something I necessarily enjoyed, <laughs> you know. So like I was excited to be on that thing every day, but what I did do is realize that it was still important for me to to keep up on my skills and not just get complacent and and allow the views and opinions of others because I was assigned to that rig. To dictate to what I was and was not going to do, like I set my shit up on an ambulance the same way I did on an engine, and when a fire call came out, I got my stuff on right there in the apparatus bay and hopped into that sucker just like I would if I was on a fire engine. And guess what? A lot of times we were first in, because we were faster and we we're out on the road. Hell yeah! I was getting into work because why? Mentally, I prepared myself and I didn't allow myself to succumb to all the negative bullshit that people were saying. So yeah. um, it's important you know, and I just want to throw that out there because I see it where these people are just getting beat up and they feel like they're less valued in the organization and they're leaving to go to other organizations that don't have that kind of structure so that they can feel like they're firefighters and you are a firefighter, you know, and stay true to what your mission is. And, you know, forget about what other people think about that.
0: It is. It's an interesting, I really can't speak to fire EMS because it's just not what I know. And, um, and so on. But I, I will say this, though, any part of the organization is important. And when we value one over the other, right, it, it's felt and people will feel that. And what we need to do is create that culture that allows for growth of all individuals, you know, regardless of what your position is or where you're assigned that day. And uh, and, and it also needs to be a department that recognizes that, you know, the EMS side of things, man, they they get beaten. And you alluded to it, too, and you said that. And, and you know, not every day, it, you know, listen, at the end of the day, right, not every day is going to be a great day. And we're going to have, work. you know, whether you work in a firehouse or you work in a private sector, there's going to be days at work that just aren't good days, right? There's going to be times Hell you yeah. butt heads with coworkers, with managers and bosses, the administration and everything in between, right? And it doesn't matter where or who you are, it's going to happen, Right. But what we can do as an organization is at least ensure that that culture builds us up and allows us to have opportunities that are fair and just. And, and I think that that's important, man. And it's important to recognize those that are carrying that torch in, in different, you know, uh, riding spots and that they're just as equally important. And lastly, with, with this long breath uh, comment I'm making, but you yeah. set yourself up for success. And you recognize that, so even if you weren't having a great day because you're you're on the bus all day long, you still set yourself up for that time when the bells do go off for a job that you set yourself up to be in a really good position. And that comes back to that, you know, full circle conversation of a 50 minutes ago where we were talking about accountability and and making sure you push yourself to be the best you can be. I mean, that's that's why you were winning in that spot.
1: Yeah, and and you know, I what you just said there is is is. Amazing, because, you know, whether you're an instructor or a firefighter or whatever, that whole statement applies. And, uh, you know, I always realized that, like, I got paid to be a firefighter. I was a firefighter first. um, And all the other things that I'm expected to do are secondary to my primary uh, job. And a lot of people didn't see that. You know, and, and you don't have to be on an ambulance just to see that. I mean, that that's some people do that in any other positions. You know, you got company officers that get promoted and they're like, well, I don't touch hose anymore because that's the fireman's job. And, you know, it's it's all our job. We have to be good at all aspects of it, no matter where we're riding. So plain and simple, take pride in where you ride, you know, and you don't have to like it and it doesn't have to be enjoyable. But you know what? The people you work with and the citizens you you swore to protect will greatly appreciate you. When uh when you show up prepared. So uh, that that's that's pretty much it. That's the end of my rant on that. I just.
0: <laughs> well, <laughs> I listen, man, it. what I just wrote down right there is take pride in where you ride. And I think that is a great way to kind of sum up this whole conversation today. Take pride in where you ride, regardless of the position of the department or the company. Take pride in it and uh, and make it yours. You know, own it. Put your put your stamp on it because ultimately the career is over in a blink of an eye, whether career or volunteer, man, the fire service goes by quick. And, uh, you only have a little bit of time to put your stamp on it and walk away with a smile to know that you left an impact and, uh, take pride in where you ride brother. That was awesome. Thank you, Sean. I appreciate that. That was really good.
1: Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate you uh, bringing me on today and let me, uh, Ramble on about some topics.
0: Hell yeah. I think it was a great conversation and I think we need more of this. And I think the more that we do, you know, I always sign off the podcast talking about, you know, share the conversation, talk about the job. We make the job better, but I firmly believe that. I think that the last 55 minutes that you and I just spent together right now, will make a difference. And we'll, somebody will hear something that makes them sit back and think, or somebody will hear something and go, okay, I'm not alone. That's where these conversations truly matter. So keep pushing your Build Your Culture platform. Uh, I think it's great. I think you have a great message, and uh, you're surrounded with really good people. Sean, where can people find you? What's cooking for you guys? Where Where are you on social media, email, all that stuff?
1: Uh, yeah, so uh, you can find me, obviously, on my personal Facebook page. Uh, we have a Build Your Culture Facebook page. Um, you can email me at duffy558 at gmail.com. That's probably the easiest way to get in touch with me. Uh, or just message, you know, one of the Facebook pages. Uh as far as where we're going, I uh, got a I got uh Country Roads Fire Conference coming up in West Virginia. I'll be in uh Wisconsin doing a culture lecture there in uh Campbellsport. Obviously uh FDIC is coming up so we'll be doing a, I'll be doing our search class there a lecture and uh you know I just got a bunch of stuff coming up for the rest of the year. I I could go on and and name it, but I'm probably going to forget some stuff. No worries. Um,
0: Well, that's great though. It's good. It's good to hear how busy you are. And uh, I think that's good.
1: It it is good. It is good. Um, For me, I I don't, I look at it. Everybody's always like, how do you do that? And, And I don't do it for me. I do it. I do it for people in the fire department, you know, around the country because I know what it's like to be in a position where you're just looking for some guidance, or looking for people who are like you or that can relate to you. And, you know, I always looked at it like when I started traveling, I, I, I try try not to put myself in the position where I say I'm a teacher. Um, I just share my experiences with you, whatever those happen to be. And, uh, you know, if we could just touch one person and make a difference in their career, then, then it's all worth it. So I have a hard time saying no, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, me too, brother. <laughs>
0: yeah. I, totally, I totally get it. But I think that's why a lot of us that do this are very similar in that regard. And I, I just think it makes sense, man, because I truly believe in the conversation that it's bigger than us. And I, I I can't wait for my great, 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 great grandkids to be able to point back to what I was doing in the in the impact that hopefully we've made. And so for me, that's called legacy. And that's what fuels me every single day, because what we do today now more than ever will be here in perpetuity and people will know the impact you've made and the things that you've done because everybody leaves a a fingerprint or a footprint anywhere in society today. So keep pushing brother, build your culture, Sean Duffy. Thank you brother for joining me today. I appreciate it, man.
1: Yeah. Thank you. I had a blast.
0: Cool. Stay right there. I'm going to sign off and we'll come right back to you. All right. Beautiful. Everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Another great episode of the national fire radio podcast. These daily episodes, man, they're crushing it with great guests. It makes it easy for me because all I got to do is just start the conversation and let the guests go. Uh, Sean Duffy, build your culture. Find them on social media. Send them an email. Continue the conversation. And do me a favor. Tonight when you're at the firehouse breaking bread, take a half a second. Tell everybody at the table that you heard the podcast today and talk about the job. Talk about some points that were brought up today because when we talk about the job, we're making the job better. I'll see you at the next one. Thanks for tuning in. We appreciate the support. Jeremy, National Fire Radio.